Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. around here testing new things out seeing what works and what doesn't but what does work is there's a lot of money to be made tonight another millie maker coming up at 8 20 maybe 8 30 eastern time between the tampa bay bucks and the new york giants it's very likely going to be a route but that doesn't matter uh and somebody mentioned to me yesterday on twitter why are you even watching this sunday night football game well matt kajeski with me as always will agree that when there's money to be made, who cares who's playing? That's what that's what makes it more interesting, Matt. That's why you are going to get viewership on these games, whereas otherwise, no one would even be watching that. Oh, dude, I have a real problem. Like the MAC, college football, like Toledo, those teams, they play on Wednesday night, and I watch those games. So when we get real <laughs> professional football, whether it's the the Cowboys, the the Eagles, the Jets, I don't care. I'm going to play shout out, and I'm going to watch all of these games. Yep. Um, it, yesterday was was really something else. I mean, nothing is more tilting for me than watching that Eagles team and, and Carson Wentz. Uh, but you know what? I had a good night of, of showdowns. I, I, the 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 idea that the idea that people say there's no reason to play showdowns because everyone dupes lineups and stuff. It's really not. It's not true. Like if you're only entering the Millie maker, you know, there are going to be times where, yeah, things go terribly wrong for you, but uh, I, 
honestly, Matt, I think shows like this, and, and this is why we started doing these morning shows uh, on top of the live before locks, is because there is an edge to be had with these, and and there is real strategy that goes into playing these showdown slates, and and you'll see it every single night, every Sunday, every every Monday, and and every Thursday. And thank God there was a showdown slate and an afternoon slate because uh, despite the abundance of Dalvin Cook ownership that I had. You guys know I loved Dalvin Cook throughout the week, uh, even a lot of Metcalf. My main slate still did not go according to plan. So not only is this a great time to uh, to to get back on your feet if you had a tough run, but it's a whole lot of fun. And while we probably have another blowout on our hands today, I'm excited to talk about it. I am too. And just to your point on Showdown, I think we can sometimes find some really soft action in Showdown whether it's people just, you know, like throwing a lineup in to have action on the slate, but there's a lot of game theory and roster construction that goes into this. There's a lot of deep knowledge. We need to know the fourth and fifth pass catcher and the backup tight end and which running back is going to come in and play 10 snaps and maybe vulture a touchdown. All that's very important to show down. And I'm super pumped. We get to do these shows too. We're happy to have all you guys with us as always. I hope you guys had a good day yesterday. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're back on the horse again. And we're going to make it happen. If you haven't subscribed to the channel yet, we're almost at 40,000. We're making that push. And you guys are the reason that we're almost there. We're like 60 away from 40,000 subscribers. And, uh, you know, if you don't like it, just hit unsubscribe. But it, 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 it helps both of us. You know, when we've got new shows, you get recommended more in your feed. Um, and I know a lot of you guys are, are watching anyway, but... Uh, you know, subscribe, hit that notification bell, uh, and hit that thumbs up if you haven't done so yet. So I, I want to jump into something before before we get into the injuries, before we get into the to the spread and all of that stuff. I want to hit you with a, a potential strategy idea, and it's one that yesterday uh, of all the lineups that, that I hand built for for certain entries, right? Every single one of them, Matt, and it worked out. Not to say that. Not to say that it was necessarily going to always work out, but I went with 5-1 approaches on and every one of those hand-built lineups, meaning I had five Eagles players, uh, defense included in one of those, and one Cowboys player. And I, I feel like once again tonight, we could be staring down the barrel of a very, very similar situation to we saw yesterday where the Eagles defense was 6,200. Today, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense is in unbelievable $7,400. It tells you a lot about what we're working with. Yeah, to the 5-1 approach, historically, last year in particular, we saw that just the hit rate, the, the rate that that lineup was in, the top 1%, was much higher than the rate at which the field was rostering that 5-1 construction. And then I think to your point, in tonight's slate in particular, we have a blowout potential game here with it. It's a 12 and a half point spread. And I think when you see these lopsided spreads and you want to target a lot of Tampa Bay players, for example, one way to do that and still remain unique in your lineup and have a shot at taking this down is to do that five, one approach. So I'm with you. I like the five, one approach a lot. It's something I try to do on most slates, not just because of, you know, blowout factors, but because it's not rostered enough by the field. For sure. Now, yesterday, the Eagles had a 26 and a half point implied total. The Cowboys were at 16 and a half. Uh, we won't get into the specifics there. Carson Wentz had four turnovers. Uh, I believe the Cowboys had three turnover, three takeaways on the season before last game. Carson Wentz gave them four more. Uh, they amazingly, the Eagles amazingly covered on that late defensive touchdown that should have been ruled down after the fumble. But that's neither here nor there. Here's the point. 
You had a 43-point total. The Eagles had a 26.5-point implied total. They were 10-point favorites. Cowboys at 16.5. Now, listen to this, Matt. Today, the Bucks on the road, Eagles were home yesterday. The Bucks have a 29-point implied total. They're 13-point favorites, 45-point over-under, down three points. And the, the Giants have a 16-point implied total themselves. So a lot of similarities here uh, that we can take from yesterday and some of these other games. But there's no question that Sunday night football and Monday night football for week eight are between or, or in two spots where there are two offenses that are very much incapable of moving the football, especially against quality defenses. So, um, you know, we have to keep that in mind. Yeah, we do for sure. And I think a lot of that is reflected in the spread. And I think when you're building your shutdown lineups, you always want to tell yourself a story. And the easy one I think you can tell yourself today is that Tampa Bay is going to roll New York. We see it basically in all of the metrics we're looking at, including the Vegas totals. I do think it lends itself to that 5-1 construction, but obviously there's going to be ways to get unique there. So... Are there any ways, as we set the table for looking at both of these teams, are there any ways, in your opinion, and I know the obvious answer is yes, but I'm going to ask you to you know, divulge a little bit more. Are there any ways that the Giants keep this close? And if they do, how does it happen? I think they're going to have to rely on their pass game. And it's Basically something they've been forced into all year because they've been trailing. They're passing at the seventh highest rate in the NFL. I do not think they're going to have any success with their run game. They lost arguably their best offensive lineman, Will Hernandez. He's on the COVID list. They've been using 12 personnel a lot more in recent weeks, and it's not because they're running pass plays out of 12 personnel. They've actually been using Caden Smith to block. They've had a lot of struggles blocking. I think most of their success is probably going to come in the short passing game. And again, not likely, but if it happens, I think that's how it will occur. Let's dive into it. Let's talk about the Tampa Bay Bucks first. They've looked very good this season. Uh, and there, there was a lot of, of hate for Tom Brady out there that he wouldn't be able to get it done, that you know he was cooked, uh, while ignoring entirely the fact that last year he was working with a, a cast of characters that couldn't get deep downfield uh, and, and a bunch of players that, that made life a lot more difficult for him and the run game. Uh, was stagnant in most cases, despite their intentions to lean on him. You look now, uh, Ronald Jones is having a pretty solid season. Leonard Fournette, when healthy, has actually been pretty competent himself. Uh, and then Rob Gronkowski appears to to actually be back, um, back up to speed. We've seen that over the past few weeks. And Tom Brady's thrown 18 touchdowns through this point of the season without having consistent uh, healthy receivers in his two top guys in Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. And um, Chris Godwin is out again today. You know, I, not to go off on a tangent here, I'll be, I'll be quick, Matt, but I really liked Godwin coming into this season, right? And I thought that he could actually take a similar role to some in some capacity as Julian Edelman because both of them ran 70-plus percent of routes in, out of the slot last year. If you look at Chris Godwin's games – he only has three passes thrown to him this year that haven't been caught. So when healthy, he has been arguably Tom Brady's favorite target. Actually, no, he has been his favorite target when healthy. But he's out again today. But Mike Evans is likely going to see a lot of shadow coverage from James Bradbury, and that's where we'll start. This is one of the few corner situations where I think we, we should factor in at least a little bit of negative performance because James Bradbury has been phenomenal. And it's, it's really interesting because the Giants as a pass funnel defense haven't been great. So speaking to the pass funnel point, 
They're allowing 7.2 yards per pass attempt. That's 12th. They're allowing 3.7 yards per rush attempt. That's 28th. So they're very good against the run, and they've still been suspect against the pass. However, most of that production is coming away from James Bradbury's coverage. He's been phenomenal, and he is one of the few corners that will shadow. He shadowed almost every single week this year. And right now, like everywhere you look, PFF, they have it. James Bradbury up against Mike Evans. Mike Evans already fairly disappointing this year. He just has two targets in each of his last two games and a 15% target share on the season. I know he was banged up a little bit to start, but that's still really disappointing for a guy that we had high expectations coming into the year, not to mention his lofty price tag. What are your thoughts here with, okay, so Chris Godwin on the year, by the way, Bruce Arians is very much, and if you just look at the numbers, very much willing to to move these guys around, right? Uh, and they're not you're not seeing you know one guy runs uh, exclusively out of the slot, one lined up in the left, one lined up in the right. Chris Godwin's run sixty seven percent of his snaps out of the slot this season. If you take the games that he hasn't played, right? He was inactive in uh, in week two. He was inactive in weeks I think it was four and five, right? So if you take those games, weeks two, four, and five, and you look at who's running the majority of snaps out of the slot, because I think this can funnel us to some 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 decision-making here. Tyler Johnson, 67% out of the slot. Justin Watson, 61%. Get this, though. Mike Evans, 37% of his uh, snaps out of the slot. He's been targeted 10 times out of the slot when Godwin's been out. No one else has seen more than four. So it's really tough to just say, all right, you know what? He will supplant, this guy will supplant Chris Godwin, uh, you know, all of those routes out of the slot, all of those um, snaps out of the slot, I should say. You're just not seeing that. They're moving these guys around a lot. But I think one thing we can agree on is that if Bradbury shadows uh, Evans, it's going to open things up for these secondary and tertiary options that Tom Brady has not been afraid to get to this year. That was my first thought too. And do you remember like two weeks ago, we, you and I covered a showdown slate that was, it was Tampa Bay, I believe. And there were some injuries and we had Tyler Johnson at the minimum price. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Tyler Johnson. We did it with, um, with, with, with Steve Buzzard, right? With the Colts. Yeah. 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 You're exactly right. And that was Tyler Johnson's first real appearance in the NFL. He had six targets that game. And to your point on Tom Brady, not being afraid to target these tertiary options, Tyler Johnson, that was really his first game. Six targets immediately popped off for a big game. I believe he scored. And, I mean, just looking at what we expect without Chris Godwin, I think Scotty Miller is going to be a full-time player. He had the huge game last week, nine targets. But Tyler Johnson, he also ran a run on 45% of dropbacks. He only saw two targets himself, but now with Godwin out for the game entirely, this is another team we're not seeing run a lot of 12 personnel anymore. I think it's going to be mostly 11 personnel with Evans, Miller, and Johnson on the field. So you basically just broke it down. Let me let me take it one step further. Who do you think benefits the most specifically from Godwin being out and James Bradbury being really the one? Uh, and I don't want to emphasize it too much, but I do think it's important because Tom Brady, if someone like Evans is being shadowed, he's it's not a spot where I think you have to force him to football, especially against the Giants defense that has been uh, that has really struggled in other aspects of the game. So, again, I don't want to hammer this too much, but, Matt, I feel like it might be the most important part of the slate, trying to figure out, hey, is Tom Brady just going to kind of let Mike Evans do his thing? He's been targeted two times in each of his last two games, but then he's had some great games with Godwin out. Both of his 100-yard performances have come with Godwin on the sidelines. Uh, So who benefits the most here? And do you like Mike Evans? 
So I like Mike Evans from a contrarian standpoint. He's not only going to be contrarian because of the coverage, but he's very expensive. When you're dealing with other options, like for example, let's take DraftKings, for example. We have Evans. If you're going to captain him, it's $16,200. If you go down to Scotty Miller, you're saving nearly $4,000 just by making that pivot. As far as who I think will benefit the most, I think you could honestly look to Miller or Johnson, both of the giant secondary corners, and really everyone they're running, including their safeties, have been very poor against coverage. Like, I'm looking at their top six corners right now, outside of James Bradbury, who was a passer rating of 62.7 in his coverage, elite. The next highest mark among defensive backs is 96.5. It's brutal. Wow. Yeah, that's that's really rough. And and I think it, it tells us a lot about what we're probably going to see. Um, the amount of routes run with Godwin out this season in three games. Mike Evans leads the pack by a while by a lot. Um, Scotty Miller's up there with 90, though. Uh, it, cl- the clear number two here. So you have Miller. Do, do you think so? Let me let me ask you this: Justin Watson, Tyler Johnson, Scotty Miller, Mike Evans. Um, if you had to take a guess at target share, let's say Godwin's out the rest of the year. He's not, by the way, but let's say he is, and the season starts today. Who would you say comes in one, two, and three in target share for based on what we've seen this season? I still would give the edge to Evans, number one. Again, he's in the particularly difficult spot today, given the strengths and weaknesses of New York's defense. Number two, I think, is Scotty Miller. And it's just because we've seen Scotty Miller run pretty clearly ahead of Tyler Johnson all year. Last week, for example, Chris Godwin missed part of the game. Miller played on 60% of Tampa Bay snaps, ran a route on 72%. Tyler Johnson played on 40%, ran a route on 45%. So Miller was already more of a full-time player with Chris Godwin on the field. So I think he would be number two. For what it's worth, I think he'd be fairly close to Mike Evans, and I'd put Tyler Johnson third. Okay. What about Rob Gronkowski, who's actually been you know, pretty efficient the last couple of weeks, Matt? He's been targeted... Uh, 68 times in each of his last two games. That's important because the first couple weeks of the season, he was an afterthought. Uh, He has 20 targets over his last three performances, touchdowns in back-to-back games. Uh, And the one thing that I've seen from him, I'm I'm sure you've seen it as well, but Brady has not been afraid to target him downfield either. Uh, And at a tight end position, that's something that Gronk has been, you know, so great in the past at being able to rip off some big plays when you need him to. Um, if, if that happens to be the case again today, should we be looking at someone like Rob Gronkowski to, to get into our lineups? I think you absolutely can. I think the main difference with Tampa Bay is losing OJ Howard. He was playing about 50% of the snaps prior to the injury and he's jumped above 65% the last two weeks. He's still not running a ton of routes. His route rate is, is fine. He has a 14% target share and that's been steadily increasing. If we just look to the last three games, you mentioned this already six targets, eight targets, and eight targets in the last three games. But, for example, Scotty Miller's still running more routes. Like, Scotty Miller ran a route on 72% of dropbacks. Rob Gronkowski, just 65%. So, I think when we get, I'm looking at Osmo's ownership right now, of course, phenomenal tool. It looks like Rob Gronkowski is going to literally be six times his ownership in the captain slot. He's about 10% more in utility. So, I think I'm just making the pivot down to Scotty Miller. Okay, yeah, and I get that, too. You know what's crazy, though, is that Rob Gronkowski leads the team in targets since week three uh, by six. 
who would have thought after the first two weeks of the season that Rob Gronkowski would be leading the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in targets by by a handful? It definitely wasn't me. It definitely wasn't me. Yeah, Brady looks Brady looks good, and Gronk looks like he's he's getting back up to speed. And they haven't necessarily needed Evans in um in a in, in a ton of situations, but. The whole this is where everything comes down to. This is the whole reason we're spending a lot of time on the on the wide receivers here and the pass catchers because you're probably going to need more than one, more than a couple of them to to win tonight against this Giants team. That brings us to the to the running game though, and uh, well, you know what? Let me ask you about Tom Brady first. He's the, he's the most expensive player. Uh, if you want to get him into the captain spot, it's going to be eighteen thousand dollars on DraftKings. So you'll certainly be paying for him. Is Tom Brady a better captain spot play for you? Uh, do you like him more in the utility? Are you going to mix it up a little bit? Right now, 82% projected ownership. Um, I'm sure you noticed this. It's super weird how a lot of times on these showdown slates, you see very condensed ownership at the top, and then it starts to spread out. Brady right now is projected at 82.7. The next closest is Mike Evans at 57.6. That must if you if you guys hear that you should be loving this slate right now that there's only one guy uh, above sixty percent on a single game showdown slate. It's pretty surprising to me because aside from the running backs, it's very condensed. Like I feel like we're we know who's going to be on the field the majority of the time. We know who's going to get the ball. So it's interesting to me to just see Brady this high. I'm far more likely to play him in the utility spot when we look at quarterback. Not only is Brady cost prohibitive but he's not one of these quarterbacks that gives you a lot on the ground. He's not really elevating himself above any of the other players. And the way the DraftKings in particular, their bonus structure is laid out, you need a 300-yard passing game to really eclipse some of the point per reception, the 100-yard bonuses that your receivers rack up, not to mention what the runners are going to do as well. So I'm typically not going to get a lot of Brady and captain, especially at his elevated ownership. I'm more than comfortable playing him in the, in the utility spot. Okay, fair enough. The running back position, Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette when healthy they've not been afraid to get Leonard Fournette involved in this offense and uh, I think it surprised many you know I'll speak for myself it surprised me to see that Leonard Fournette was involved heavily as a pass catcher last game with seven targets calling in six of them for 47 yards he did it in 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 Jacksonville but he never really managed to to do much with it it'd be like five six seven yard receptions here and there nothing really all that spectacular and you see something similar but Brady went to him often he played 56 percent of the snaps to Ronald Jones 43 um I still think Ronald Jones is going to be heavily involved but is this a sign of things to come as far as the the backfield split goes on the ground and maybe even through the air I think it could be I mean Ronald Jones has never been a phenomenal pass catcher in his entirety of his career at Tampa Bay. Leonard Fournette has done it. He's been questionable at best, I'd say, as a pass catcher. But I think just the six targets for him last week compared to Ronald Jones' one was really telling. And I'm not two, but still, yeah. it was a big Sorry, game. two. Yeah, very, very concerning for me. And I think just given the price, I'd be more willing to pay down for Leonard Fournette. Like you said, they clearly have a plan for him. And at best, this is a timeshare. Okay, so Leonard Fournette, if you... I don't really have a ton of interest in throwing him in at the captain spot, but uh, he's in the, in the utility. You're getting him at 6,200. That's 1,200 less than the Buccaneers defense, Matt. Uh, Ronald Jones is 8,800. So you're saying that discount is enough for you. And I guess if, if you, 
you said you got to tell a story. If that's the case, and say you're projecting a blowout, why not go with the significantly cheaper running back? Because if they go up by a lot of points, you're going to see them try and run the ball down the Giants' throats. And I would assume that the cheaper back is going to get almost, if not almost as much, if not more work than than, than Ronald Jones, especially in that scenario. The workload's been hard to project. We know it's been basically a 50-50 timeshare when they're healthy. I a lot of times we'll just use ownership to break these tiebreakers because I don't have a strong lean in who. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com who's going to receive more carries and more targets between them. I take a look at ownership. I see Ronald Jones, who is more expensive, projected for more more ownership in both the utility slot and the captain slot. And it makes the decision a little bit easier for me in targeting for that. Okay. Is there anything else on the, on the Bucks team? We'll get to the defense in a moment because I actually want to spend a second there uh, that we haven't talked about as far as skill players go. I think some people might be tricked into playing Cameron Brate. He's extremely cheap. But last week in particular, we saw Tampa Bay move away from 12 personnel in their last three games. So two and three games ago, Cameron Brake ran around on 41% and 38% of dropbacks. Last week, that dropped to 11%. And I found that kind of interesting considering Chris Godwin got hurt in the game. I don't know if this was a game plan specific thing for Tampa Bay, but Cameron Brake has not been heavily involved this year. So I think I would much rather look to the third pass catcher and Tyler Johnson over a guy like Cameron Brake. Okay. And uh, last one here, we had a question from... Someone in our premium chat over at awesomeo.com, he said, if this game blows out, does LaShawn McCoy get some run uh, in, in, a, in a blowout, Matt? I highly doubt it. Last, they, I mean, Tampa Bay has basically blown out their last two opponents. They beat Las Vegas 45-20 to 20 last week. The prior week, 38-10 to 10 over Green Bay. LaShawn McCoy has basically been uninvolved. Yep. They have four attempts for one yard in that game. Uh, it, it's it's been rough outside of one uh, performance against Carolina where he was targeted seven times in the passing game. Uh, he's been an afterthought. So I'm with you. I think it's Jones and Fournette. You're going to have to guess right between the two. Do you have any interest in rostering Fournette and Jones in the same lineup? Normally it would be crazy, right? But they're huge favorites, 13 point favorites. Both of those guys could see 15 or so touches uh, because correct me if I'm wrong last week in a blowout. Let me make sure. Leonard Fournette had 18 total looks, 11 on the ground, six through the air. Ronald Jones had uh, 15 total looks, 13 on the ground and two through the air. So both of them saw 15 plus opportunities in a blowout. If it goes the same way, I can at least get behind saying, you know what, if you wanted to go with that and get away from the passing game a little bit, 30 plus opportunities potentially between the two. It's not the craziest idea. And my guess is it will be, vastly overlooked and and very unpopular tonight. I agree with you completely. I think part of the reason Tampa Bay can do this is they run a decent amount of plays. They're 12th in plays per game, 11th in seconds per play. I think it's possible. I'm a little worried about the cost. Normally when I I like to do this, it will be a situation where we have one really cheap back, one more expensive back. They're both kind of in that middle to expensive range. But I feel like today in particular, we have fewer options at the bottom that I'm considering. You mentioned the defense. I mean, 
in a normal week, you could maybe play the defense as your cheap play. This week, I mean, unless you're playing the Giants, getting to Tampa Bay's defense is very difficult. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, well, perfect segue from you. What are we doing with Tampa's defense? I, Dude, I played the Eagles defense in almost every lineup last night. So I wasn't afraid to pay up for them at 6,200 because what, with Danucci, like, you know, we knew what we were expecting. Or we, we knew that that was a possible scenario, a possible result is them getting to the quarterback, uh, forcing fumbles, getting some picks, and then luckily we got a defensive touchdown. They're even more expensive tonight at 7,400. But, man, they could annihilate Daniel Jones in this offense, who, as you mentioned, missing a key offensive lineman as well. I think they're probably in your player pool. I don't feel great about it with some of the options we already talked about that are, I mean, surprisingly cheaper and like you mentioned, I think the defensive touchdown really helped us last night. Like, what if what if Tampa Bay just has a really solid game? They rack up a couple sacks, maybe a few turnovers, but they don't score. Do you think they end up in the optimal lineup in that situation? Because I'm not 100% sure that that they would outscore, you know, like Fournette and some of the cheaper receivers. I, I think it's a different situation today than yeah. it was last night, for sure. Well, you know, one of the reasons, too, is yesterday you had – you still had some good options, right? It went, you had Boston Scott – you had uh, Dallas Goddard, who didn't do anything, wasn't even targeted to late in the game, but still someone that was inexpensive enough, especially with Ertz out, to maybe make some noise. Travis Fogum, who's the absolute GOAT. I love this kid, Matt. He's going to be awesome. Uh, <laughs> he is. He's going to be great. Hightower, for some reason, people Vince was still throwing to him. Worst decision ever. Just cut the guy. Uh, but my point is, with between Rager and, and Goddard, and Fogum and Scott and Wentz, there were a decent amount of options on that team. Uh, and then you could choose from like a cheap Michael Gallup, uh, CeeDee Lamb, Ezekiel, whatever you want to do. But the Eagles defense just seemed to fit. Uh, I, I think you're right in saying that some of these cheaper values below 7,400 might just fit better than the Eagles fit last night. Yeah, I think so. And I mean, defense is such a variant position. Wouldn't you be surprised if the Giants end up like they get in good field position, whether it's a turnover or a good special teams play or something, and they punch in a few touchdowns with as variant as defense defense is, I think paying that much salary is kind of difficult to do. I mean, I will have them in my player pool because of all the, the upside we've talked about with the missing alignment and the struggles New York has had already. But I think going overweight on the field or really locking them in might be a mistake. Okay, fair enough. Uh, yeah, I, I don't intend on locking them in, but I do still have quite a bit of interest in them uh, just because if this game goes the way I think it's going to go, then then I want some of that. Last thing I'll say on this, if you do decide that you're going to run some lineups, for you guys that are hand-making lineups, uh, if you do decide you're going to run some lineups with Fournette and Jones in the same lineup, that is a spot where I absolutely would not hesitate to get the defense in there, right? There's positive correlation, Matt, knowing that if they're running the ball – and the passing game isn't doing a lot. There's a very high or a very high likelihood that the defense did something on their end to keep Brady from having to throw the football. Yeah, I think you're right. The correlation's pretty strong there. And I mean, you like defensive touchdowns a ton, but I think just given the fact that they can still rack up turnovers, sacks, yeah. everything like that, it would in that case it would make sense. For sure. All right, we'll talk about the Giants. Uh, before we do, if you guys haven't checked out awesomemode.com yet, we would absolutely love to have you over there. 
join the family and there's a million different ways to do it. You can get the express pass, which is $3.95 a week. Uh, if you like these showdowns, I know we all do. All of our showdown content is included in that express pass, that weekly express pass. It's uh, all of the ownership projections, the, the, the player projections, the top players tool, which is amazing. It, it's just, you know, probabilities thing. What the, what's the probability that he's the top player overall in the day? Probability that he is between two or six, obviously given the utility spot. Same thing applies on FanDuel with their structure. Uh, Alex Baker, awesome out. You know who he is. Uh, he, he built these these tools. He uses these tools himself uh, and then lets us use them. Well, let us use them, you know. Uh, well, he does. He lets us use them. And we've had a ton of success with them, and they're awesome tools. So for less than $4 a week, you get all the showdown content. That's on top of the other stuff. Like we have this Express Top Stacks tool uh, for the main slate and the other slate included in that. Uh, the rankings included in that four dollar or three dollar ninety five cent a week package. Then you can go with the Express or the uh, Osmo Plus Platinum if you wanted to go with all of the NFL content or all of our sports. If you wanted to get PGA, UFC, NASCAR, all of that stuff included. There's something for everybody. Whether you want to do the week, the month, the year, you name it. But like I said, these are Osmo's tools. Number one ranked DFS player in the world. Uh, they are fantastic. And all of the amazing articles that these guys put out every single week from Matt to Kyle to Ben to, to Adam to everybody uh, and the lineup builder, the fantasy cruncher add on. There's so much. So go check it out. Even if you're not re- ready yet, go go give it a look. Uh, and a lot of times we'll have free content out there, too. So you can see uh, so you can get a, a sneak peek at some of that stuff. Uh, the NFL showdown and single game top plays tool, the one I was telling you about, the one with the probabilities, is actually free today on the site under the NFL dropdown. So check that out. Go to awesomeo.com slash join. And if you do decide to join a community, uh, make sure to uh, jump into our premium Slack chat. You got people talking DFS, NFL, sports betting around the clock. Uh, and it's a very cool community to be a part of. All right, Matt, we spent a lot of time on the Bucks. I don't think we're going to spend as much time on the Giants. They have a 16-point implied total. I'll let you start with Daniel Jones. Go ahead. Yeah, man. I, he's been very disappointing this year. If we just look at some of the peripheral stats, 6.1 yards per attempt, that's 32nd. He's completing 62% of his passes, that's 26th. Obviously not great from a passing standpoint. What we really like about Daniel Jones is his rushing equity, and we saw it last week on the showdown slate. He rips off the 80-yard touch, should be touchdown, falls down. But that's really what we like about Daniel Jones, and I think it's his best best path to entering the optimal lineup and particularly the captain spot, which is a place I don't particularly love him, but I think if that's how it happens, it's going to be with his legs. Okay. Who are we pairing him with from, from Slayton to, to Shepard to God, it gets so ugly. I mean, Evan Engram has had such a disappointing campaign every week. You think something good's going to happen. Even when he's targeted nine times against the Eagles, he finishes with under 50 yards uh, averaging, I think it was like seven yards per target. It's been really tough, Matt. And and Golden Tate, meanwhile, had that one reception for a touchdown in the showdown slate against the Eagles, which put him in the optimal, which put him in the winning lineups. But he had one reception for a 39-yard touchdown, which is exactly what he's done in back-to-back weeks. One reception, three total targets over the last two games for the Giants. So it is very tough to figure out where to turn here uh, and, and who really gets priority. I think part of the problem is New York can't pass protect. So they, right. they can't run these downfield route concepts. So Evan Engrams ends up being targeted so often in the short to intermediate part of the field. And it's definitely hurting their offense. 
what New York has kind of done to mitigate some of these pass protection problems is bring in a second tight end. And they brought in Caden Smith a lot. He played in 60% of New York snaps last week, only ran 12 routes. So that's a 31% route rate. This guy's mainly blocking. And what it's done is it's pulled Golden Tate off the field a lot. Golden Tate, again, target counts of one and two in his last two weeks. When he's on the field, he's still running a lot of routes. He ran 28 last week. That was, you know, like significantly more than Caden Smith, who, who actually played more raw snaps. But I don't love that it's pulling Golden Tate off for even some pass situations. So that leads me to just try to get to Slayton, Shepard, and Engram. Targeting those three, I mean, it's been pretty rough. Darius Slayton in particular is a 22% target share on the year. But since Sterling Shepard's return, those have really decreased. In his last two games, he has target counts of four and four. Shepard last week already rebounded for eight. That was his first game since injury. And this has kind of been the story with Darius Slayton throughout his young career. Most of his big games have occurred when Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate was injured a little bit last year. His big games occur when those two players are off the field. You're right. It's a very, it's an important point to make today. Uh, I think they're going to have a tough time running the football and passing the football. The profile, let me ask you, how, how good do you think the Bucks defense is knowing that Pro football focus, and this is just one metric, of course. You can go to a number of different areas, but I'm just to for the matter of, of saving for the sake of saving time, has them ranked number one in, in in coverage grade, and then in run defense, they're number six. But I think they're from what we've seen, they're just unstoppable on the ground. Uh how good do you think they they really are? I initially thought they weren't great. I mean, if you look at their opponents to to open the year. They, they played the Carolina Panthers. I think we've seen them perform a little bit above expectation now. They played in that game against Denver where Drew Locke was hurt, so that was mostly a Brett Rippon game. And then, I mean, they did play some good opponents. They had the Chargers, the Packers. Derek Carr has actually played well this year. They faced the Las Vegas Raiders. So, I mean, I think I personally was a little too low on this Tampa Bay pass defense. I think maybe they're not the number one coverage unit, but they're certainly very good. Yes, that's exactly the way I feel about it too. I thought that they would come into the league there or the week or the season, their past defense would be improved from last year because it couldn't go anywhere, but up. Right. Uh, but the run defense, you guys have heard me say that it swallows opposing runners up whole. Like there's just nowhere to go. And, you know, maybe they haven't faced the best running backs this season, but they're still remarkably good in both phases of the game. I forgot to tell you guys, by the way, we have a $250 giveaway. Uh, on Twitter right now. You just have to guess if Daniel Jones or Tom Brady will have more passing yards. I think I know where people are going to go there. Reply to the tweet with your answer, and you just had to follow us on Twitter. While you're at it, follow Matt. Get this man's follower count up. He does awesome work here. Like, awesome. The man just quit his day job, for God's sakes. Show him some love. At Matt underscore Gajeski. If you're not following me yet, at Lafay underscore D, L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm just baffled by by how little intrigue there is when it comes to this Giants team, just as maybe a little bit more than there was yesterday, because Daniel Jones, despite what you want to say about him, is still a marginal upgrade from Danucci. But it's not good. And the problem is, if we take a look and say, let's pivot to the run game, Matt. Well, Devontae Freeman's out, and he was actually getting a ton of work even in, in negative game scores when he was when he was healthy. Now you're talking about Wayne Gallman getting the start against an incredibly stout run defense, but also Wayne Gallman, who had five targets last time out, and Deion Lewis, who I'm scared, even though Gallman got those targets, 
that Lewis is going to get them, especially because he had that early game fumble and maybe he was just in the doghouse. So even in the run field, run game, even in the backfield, I have no clue what to do with the Giants. I think it's probably Gallman. I'm, I mean, I'm just kind of confused why they have Deion Lewis on their roster. He's basically just been a pass catcher for them the entire year. And then he gets the zero targets last week. Like if we look at Wayne Gallman's career with the Giants, he's been a fairly good pass catcher for them. And Saquon Barkley's missed a couple of games over his career. But Wayne Gallman, if we go back to, you know, like 2017 was the last time he handled like a significant workload for multiple weeks. And if we look down the stretch that year, he had games. These are three consecutive games for Wayne Gallman in his career. Nine targets, seven targets, and eight targets. And then in a couple spot duties, he's had target counts similar to that over the last few years as well. So Gallman has been a notable pass catcher for this Giants team in the past. I think they're probably going to roll with him. And at his price, I mean, he's cheaper than all of the notable receivers except Golden Tate. Would you be willing to play Wayne Gallman just on the fact that if he gets five dump offs and I don't know, even like 30, 40 yards, there's a chance he enters the optimal because we're going to have to play someone on the Giants. It's just, just deciphering who it is. That's 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 the concern here. Uh, you said, will I be willing, willing to play Gallman or Lewis? You said Gallman, right? Yeah, Gallman. Sorry. If I said Lewis, I meant Gallman. No, I think you did. I just, I was making sure. Well, that, that's what I mean. If Gallman didn't have those those targets last, last game out, then especially with Freeman getting injured, I, I would have more interest in Lewis, but uh, you just broke it down well. That that's what keeps me coming back to Goldman. The crazy thing is, like I expect him to do virtually nothing on the ground, and I'm just hoping that maybe he gets four or five receptions. You got four points there. Maybe he breaks off like a few decent chunk plays, uh, and 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 he and he has 25, 30 yards rushing. Which I, I swear, even that seems far fetched. So, like my my goal for him would be to get to to nine or ten. DraftKings points, but you can't just play six bucks. You probably don't want to anyway. You need to play a Giants player. So that's what we're doing here, Matt. We got a couple minutes to go. Let's figure it out. Who do we want from the Giants? If we have to pick one or two guys, who do we feel most comfortable with that maybe they can maybe they can put up a, a decent enough total? Because even Gallup yesterday, even Gallup had like 15 fantasy points. That was enough to get you there. Uh, who, who is it for you? My favorite pass catcher on the Giants is still Sterling Shepard. I know Darius Slayton has been their wide receiver one. Again, most of that has come when Sterling Shepard's been injured. So let's take just the small sample we have last week. Sterling Shepard, eight targets, Darius Slayton, four. We also have Sterling Shepard coming in with a cheaper price here. With that small sample, that's the way I'm going to lean. Again, I don't feel great about it because the sample is so small, but it's at least one data point we can point to here. Okay. So over, so, and I, I was talking about including the, the running backs too, but uh, it would be Shepard over over everyone on the team, correct? Yes, yes. Okay. If if there was one other guy, let's say you're doing a four-two, I want you know, we want to provide these viewers with with as much as we possibly can here. These showdown slates are awesome, but they can be they can get tricky for sure. Uh, is is Gallman number two, or would it be Slayton or or Shepard, or I'm sorry, or Ingram or, or somebody else? I, I do like Slayton. I think his target share will be the second highest on the team behind behind Shepard. But at that point, if you're running a 4-2, are you paying up for both of the expensive Giants pass catchers? Right. I'm not sure that that's the route you want to take. So I think maybe playing one of the expensive guys, if you think it's Slayton, fine. I don't see there being a huge difference between Slayton and Shepard. I'd rather go Shepard too. take the discount. Yeah, that's how I feel. And then 
if you're not going to play Slayton and Shepard, you're going to have to pay down a little bit somewhere. So maybe Wayne Gallman fits the bill as someone who could see, you know, like five or six dump offs. But I have an Ingram sort of in that price range, nine targets last week. You just have to be okay with him essentially getting no receiving yards. I don't hate Golden Tate. And it's because when he's on the field, he's running routes. You just have to be okay with him coming off the field a decent amount for Caden Smith in blocking situations. But Golden Tate is very cheap. Could it be by any chance Graham Gano, who ends up being someone that you throw in there, knowing that yesterday Greg Zerloin had a very solid game. He also missed a, another field goal that could have, and it was very windy. Did you see the one? It looked like an actual slurve, like you know, a slider curve in, 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 in baseball. It was insane. Uh, he, he could have had an even bigger game with that 49-yarder. It might have been even a 50-plus. That would have added to the tally for sure. Does Graham Gano uh, enter the playing pool? Does he enter the conversation here in the event that, like you said, maybe they just get in favorable field position, can't really move the ball, and end up kicking a few field goals? For sure. You laid it out from you know a game theory perspective, and then I think just looking at the low-scoring total, I'm much more likely to target a kicker in low, low total games. We'll just see less touchdowns. I think less chances for other skill position players to outscore the kicker. So in a low total game, I'm more likely to take the kicker. All right. So Matt, we'll close it with this. And uh, for those of you guys just joining, you're joining late, you're going to rewatch it from the beginning. We're happy to have everyone with us. Uh, Help us build the channel here though. If you don't mind hit that thumbs up, but more importantly, if you're not subscribed to the channel, uh, subscribe. Uh, it's a win-win for both of us here. If you want to hit the notification bell so you know when new content's dropping next, you can do that as well. Uh, but yeah, if you subscribe, it'll show up more in your recommended feed. You won't forget about us. You don't want to forget about us. Matt, what is the best way to get different on this slate if there's any way to do it? Uh, I'll set the table for you. You can wrap this show up. The, the, the ownership is coming in. You know, Brady, Evans, Daniel Jones still up there. Ronald Jones, Slayton, Gronk, Fournette, Shepard, they're all above 30%. Uh, and then you're getting down to, to some lesser-owned guys like Tyler Johnson, Tate, Gano, um, and, and a bunch of others. I'm not going to rattle off everyone, but but who would you or what would your way to differentiate on this slate be? So we're seeing Tom Brady and Mike Evans come in as the two most-owned Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think you do want a Tampa Bay Buccaneer in your captain slot. I like to fade them both in that position Mike Evans, we talked long about this. Not only has he been down this year, but he's in the toughest match against James Bradbury. I think you can pivot to one of the ancillary pass catchers in Scotty Miller or Tyler Johnson. They'd be a very nice stack with Tom Brady in the utility slot. You fade all of the ownership that's coming in on Mike Evans in a tough spot. And then to get a little bit different on the other side, I think you can also get away from Darius Slayton, who I think is not 100% to be the number one receiver on that team and play Sterling Shepard as your preferred Giants. And then I think you'll have a fairly contrarian lineup. Round that out with some maybe the rushers from Tampa Bay or, you know, a secondary Tampa Bay stack, and you'll be fairly contrarian. Beautiful. That'll do it for us. Guys, thanks for watching. Uh, Best of luck today. Remember, stick around. Coming up next in only 15 minutes, it's the Monday Morning Quarterback Show recapping everything from Week 8, taking a look at lineup study on Fantasy Cruncher, uh, looking at applying some of these principles to the following week, what we did right, what all of us did wrong. Adam Share, Josh Engelman, and myself are coming up next. And remember, all of our shows are available on any podcast platform. You check it out. If you don't want to go on the YouTube, if you want to do it a different way, maybe you're working, maybe you want to have your phone in your pocket, 
uh, iTunes, anything, podcast is available. Be sure to check that out. Uh, we'll see you guys back here. Matt and I, next Thursday, or this Thursday, every Monday and Thursday, we do this Showdown Strategy Show. So make it a part of your routine. Join us and uh, stick around 15 minutes from now. We'll be doing another one, wrapping up the Week 8 slate. Peace. So, you've got an idea for a business, the store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out, everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.